gentlemen welcome to this episode of 247 real talk podcast it's a pleasure to be here with you to continue the conversations to continue this movement forward as we make a difference in this world it is i'm looking at the clock behind my camera there it is uh just like one minute after 10 on wednesday may 11th 2022 and i thought that i would spend a little time with you and chatting about the state of our union i wrote a few notes here and so not in any specific order, I feel it's necessary for us to have this conversation because for those of us, you know, those who are in the lower income, those who are in the middle income, even middle upper income, recognize that we are in trouble. It is not as the politicians say it is. It is not all's going well. It is not they have solutions that will make things better for us. It is not how many trillion dollars on the infrastructure bill. It is not a build back better bill. It is about the people. It is about what's not being done for the majority of the people. It is about what needs to be done to really make this country great again. And as I speak with people who interact with me because of my podcast or just in my daily travels and, you know, every day, so many issues come up. I had an interesting conversation with a future guest on my show last night. Or actually last night I had a conversation with that guest. And I don't want to give the episode away, but you'll hear it anyway. But she basically came from welfare to being, I don't want to say well off, but to being much better off. And as a, as a welfare mom... She got the opportunity to go to school. And I'll tell you a little bit, you know, a little bit about her story a little later as I sort of go through the different things I want to touch on in this episode. But her journey shows the, you know, the, the challenges that we face that minorities and people without wealth and, 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 and you know, black and brown people who have so many challenges and we are a huge part of this society, this melting pot that is the United States of America. We, we elect people to the House, to the Senate, you know, to, to, to governors and mayors to make a difference in our lives. We believe in them. We believe in the, in the stories they sell us when they're campaigning. And then we get to a point where we're expecting something back for our vote, for, for our belief in what they were saying, for maybe moving someone out of office to put them in, in office. And then each and every time, we're disappointed. The rich get what they want. They complain when they, you know, there's, a, there's a raise in some sort of tax or someone even threatens to close a loophole. Loopholes are unavailable to us. 
And in the meantime, we suffer the fate of, of, of the majority. Look at where we are today in America. We know there's a war in Ukraine, and we understand there's a war in Ukraine. We understand their, their economic impacts from this war, but we are the greatest and richest country in the world. And yet, look where we are. We have, we have no one to, to speak for us in a manner that should be heard. You know, as, as I was thinking about this episode tonight, I said to myself, wouldn't it be great if the, we get to select people to run for government or we get to establish what the prerequisites must be for them to be qualified? Maybe there need to be more people in government who were once on welfare. Maybe there need to be more people in government who defaulted on student loans or had bad credit or are still paying off the, 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 the burdens of student debt. Maybe some people in, in Congress who lost their homes because the government felt it was more important to get back money for student loans that really and truly is, is, is almost double dipping. And again, I don't want to have student loans be the first part of this, of this episode, but it, it'll definitely be here as, as we close it down a little later on. So as I look at my notes here, I was listening to the news yesterday. I'm in New York. I was listening to the news yesterday, and in Manhattan, they were saying that gas was, regular gas was $6.19 a gallon. I don't ever recall gas being that high. And then someone says, well, what are you worried about? In California, it's $8.75 for a gallon of gas. Now, you have to understand the full circle that this issue creates. Food is up. I, you know, I would go to Costco, and, and, and my wife would go to Costco and, and bulk shop. And things that she literally said, you know, something that was $4 a few weeks ago is now $8. It has completely, I mean, it has doubled in price. Not incomes. Nothing else, just everything else that you have to, to, to grab onto to, to, and every necessity to survive has doubled in price. In some cases, the, the suppliers or, or, the, or the sellers, the retailers may have some justification in that, you know, in, in importing these or getting these things to their stores may, may be a little bit more expensive, but there are a lot of people out there who are just taking the, the advantage of where we are with inflation, they're just looking around and saying, hey, I can get this more, more, much more money. It's greed. I remember when there was talk about gas prices going up. I remember referencing a specific gas station because, you know, we were there and they saw that they got like 9,000 gallons of gas. And they got the gas at the old price. That midnight, they raised it to the new price. Why? Because they could. Nobody has empathy and nobody cares about the average person, the average fight. We're just pawns in the game that no one cares about. And it is horrible to feel that way when we are, we are part of the quilt that makes up this great nation of ours. How do we get politicians, from, I'm talking about from the president down, who is, who is saying, well, I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about that, who is going to Congress and saying, I need 33, I think they end up giving him $40 billion just two days ago for aid for Ukraine in weapons and money and food or whatever they give them. Now, don't get me wrong. What's happening in Ukraine is wrong. 
and we must have compassion for humankind. When I hear about the, the, the mass graves, when I hear about and, and see uh, stories on TV where parents are handing their children off to some stranger on a train going to Poland, they may never see a child again, but it's for survival, that tears away at me, that tears away at the, the basic things that we take for granted in this country. But I will say at the same time, as, as, as much as we have compassion for others around the world, charity begins at home. You cannot want to be, do this big show on the grand stage for the world to see how much you gave to Ukraine. And you got people in your own country, your own people who make this country great, begging for your help, and you're ignoring them. Are you hiding behind the left and the right and legislation, Republican and Democrat and partisanship and all this nonsense? The worst thing that can happen is what has happened, and that is we have people of wealth, for the most part, as the politicians who run this country. People who have never felt the pain of making a choice between medication, food, and rent. People who have never understood what it is like to, to go to college, to, to not want to to take it out, and I'm going back to student loans because it's, it's, it's one of the biggest issues we have right now that so, there are 46 million people who have student loan debt. 11.1%. So that is 10% to 46, 4.6. So let's say over 5 million people are in 90-day default on their loans. And the only thing that saved them was the moratorium when COVID happened. Since COVID has happened, we have not recovered financially. Many people, most people who have stayed in their jobs and managed to hold on to their jobs have not gotten a raise. They don't have an increase in income. Matter of fact, a lot of households have lost breadwinners. A lot of households have had mother and father die from COVID. They have four or five siblings and the eldest sibling who was 18, 19, or 20 now has to stop school or whatever and go out to work and be the breadwinner for that family to make sure that rent get paid. Here in New York now, they're talking about increasing the rent. I understand that the landlords need to pay their bills too. I'd like a real breakdown of that each situation to see what it looks like. Because there are some cruel landlords in New York. I have personally dealt with them. Matter of fact, I'm dealing with one from two years ago when I moved and bought my home. I made sure that I left my apartment in, in as best a condition as possible. The rules were don't paint the walls. They're white, leave them white. They were, they were a little bit off-white. I lived there 10 years. I was entitled to a paint job every three years. But with young kids and stuff, I said, nah, you know, I'll just, you know, um, I would do the best to keep them clean. And they were pretty good. I took pictures before I left, thankfully. These people are, are, are sending me a bill for $2,400 or $2,500. They want um, $700 for paint on the walls, even though they're supposed to paint it. And all of this, these different things I won't get into added up to $2,500 and then I found out, of course, that they normally do, they, because I've been there for 10 years, you know, they call it outdated. So they actually gutted and remodeled the apartment in this new fashion and new everything. So they don't really, didn't fix anything. They didn't want money to fix anything. They just wanted money from me or they just want, because this is still in play, money from me to pay for their renovation. That's the only thing I can think about. And these are rich people. 
I won't call the name, but this family I know is, at last I checked, was the 11th richest real estate family in New York. And they're looking at people like you and me, ordinary people, putting one foot in front of the other, trying to grab from one paycheck to, to do for the other, and trying to steal, extort, and then they hide behind this team of lawyers. And they intimidate you with court and tell you, send you letters of court costs and all these things if you don't pay this bill. And then how many days you're going to lose some work? And luckily, I'm in a situation where I can use my annual time. But time is money, right? So it's costing me money to go to court. And they're probably going to go back and forth in court, you know, all as a part of the tactic of destroying people and being victorious in the name of greed. There are so many things that need to be fixed in this society. Yet every time there's a State of the Union address by every single president, they get up there and they, and they say, America, the State of the Union is great. I'm here to tell them that if they look deep down in the belly of this country, the State of the Union is nowhere near great. People are suffering. People are homeless because the shelters that, they're, that, that are designed for them to go into are dangerous. Homeless mothers with kids don't want to take their children into shelters because nobody talks about the stories of when the children get raped in the centers and molested in the centers. There's no security. There's no, there's no comfort. There's no safety. There's, there's, there's fear. And these are not people who chose to live on the street. These are people who ended up in hard times for many different reasons. Could have been a loss of, of the life of the breadwinner or it could have been something like student loans. Because these people in the federal government are vicious. When you, when, they, when, you, when you default on something like a student loan because you simply can't pay, they will garnish your check. They will put liens on your property. They will do everything because in the name of what? Someone needs to explain to me. And I've said this before on my audio podcast, and I'll say it again now. People go to school with the intention of graduating and getting a job. Most of us don't have the money to pay for school. So the whole concept of federal student loans is, you know, we'll advance you that money. You pay for school. When you graduate, this society run by that federal government is sort of saying, well, you know, you'll be able to get a job that will allow you a decent living and the ability to pay back these loans. Because remember, you can't leave out decent living because these loans are for 30 years. So you graduate, and of course the job's not there. Whether it be recession, whether it be the degree is not worth the paper it's printed on because there's so many colleges and universities allowed to to exist and they, and they accept you and you go there and they're supposed to have a certain amount of prestige or sometimes you can't get into the most prestigious so you go to um, something that's, 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 that's not as prestigious but you come up with that degree because people will tell you the same thing we've been told time and time again as kids um, you must go to college you must get a degree you must do something with your life figure it out you come out of high school and say, I don't know what I want to do. They say, well, go to college. Your first two years, use that to figure out what you want to do for the last two to graduate in something. And then you find a passion. They say, follow your passion. Make sure it's something that you love. There are all these rules that society has set that, 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 that supposedly promise us that if we follow them, 
step by step, that we will reach the American dream. And here we are, graduated, can't find a job. And let's, let's pause on can't find a job. Because there's the next part of this society that we found out, or maybe didn't find out, but we've been talking more and more about more recently. And that is the part that says so many minorities have been and continue to face systemic racism where they go for a job and doesn't, it doesn't matter the content of their character, doesn't matter the level of their education, their brilliance, all that matters is the color of their skin. So it isn't, it isn't enough that we have to face the challenge of finding a job in a market that's maybe overcrowded or a field that's overcrowded or in, 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 a, or in, a, in a society, in, in an economic system that simply doesn't have a job to give us. But now we have to compete not with the, the guy next to us to see who is the most brilliant, who can offer more to the, to the company. We have to compete with something that we can't change. And that's the color of the skin that we were born with. Do any of the politicians consider any of these things when they stand there and they say, we will not forgive student loans? How dare you? I'm one of these people who has joined the movement. I've spoken to so many other podcasters and, and, and activists who are saying, we're going to push this so hard, it's unbelievable. This is 2022. In November of this year, there are midterm elections. I have personally written letters to, to Senator Schumer of New York. And it is a concerted effort, and it's a big movement that's going stronger and stronger. That the time is now. We're calling out the President of the United States on his promise to do something about student loans. Not something foolish. Not, don't throw me a bone. Because if I can't live on that bone, you just all you did was pacify those who want to think that, that uh, live under this mirage that you did something. Do something real. You need to figure out a way to wipe out student loans. You need to figure out a way to restart the program. As I've mentioned before in my audio podcast, you need to make the universities hold the note. And what I mean by that is the universities will, will pay up front and get the money back when the, when the graduate is placed and has an income that can allows them a, a living and the ability to pay back the loans. I know many of my listeners are probably you know, hearing this and saying, oh, he's been talking about student loans so much. But you've got, you're going to get some more in this, in this episode. I'm looking down because I'm looking at the time on my board. But there are other things I'm going I'm to shift to for a moment here. As I look at my list here, One of the things that's happening in New York is crime is out of control. And we actually do have a mayor who is trying really hard to fix it. But much like every other topic I, I, I chat about, it is an uphill battle. He's dealing with Bail reform. And don't get me wrong, before anybody wants to jump down my throat, there are aspects of bail reform that are correct, that needed to be put in place. But bail reform needs to be tweaked. It needs to be modified. Most recently, a couple of days ago, we had a police officer on an anti-gun force in New York City who was shot. And the thing about it is he was shot 
by someone who was awaiting sentencing after being after jumping the turnstile, being caught with a gun two years ago. That same person again had a gun, and he was able to shoot someone. And before you say anything, this is not about it being a police officer. This is just one case. We had cases in the last month of 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 uh, a couple of young ladies at two different um, schools in two different boroughs being shot and killed. And that, and we are finding out that these are people, either people who have a multitude of arrests and they keep getting just being let right back back out in the street. And many of them are using these ghost guns. Now, I understand your constitutional rights to bear arms. I am, by, by history in my life, I've, I am, I've used to shoot competitions. I still like to. I was certified as a, as a range officer. I'm certified as a, as a firearms instructor. I've helped people in law enforcement who are, who are requalifying to carry their firearm. There are responsible people out there, millions of them. And as someone myself who likes the sport of it, or, 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 or you know, that's a personal choice, I see no, no, no need for ghost guns. I know people are going to jump right away and they're going to say, hey, you know, the government's going to take away our guns, so if, they, if we have ghost guns, they don't know what we have. And I'm sorry, I've been hearing that for, all, for, for so many years I've been in the sport of it, and it still hasn't happened yet. I'm not saying it, it never can, never will. My point is, you've got to be suspicious when someone comes to you and wants a gun that can't be traced. Why? In many states, if you want a rifle, many states have laws where you just go, you take your driver's license, you can buy a rifle. As a matter of fact, we've had instances of shootings. We had one recently in the subway in New York where the guy legally bought the gun elsewhere. They were able to trace the gun in a crime, right? So I'm not saying there's some reason I'm, you know, because there could be something I'm not thinking about, but I just don't understand why someone needs a gun that's untraceable. What is your intention? And the, 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 the thing is, it's, it's become so rampant. You know, those, of, those who have never been affected by it can have a lot of opinions about it. But, you know, let a friend, a family member, a child, a mother, a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, let them get shot and killed, number one, in the violence of New York City, but let them also get shot by a ghost gun. And then let me hear your story now. Be in grief of losing someone and wanting the, the, the shooter caught only to be told that they can't find the shooter or they, and they can't catch him because they use a ghost gun. They can't trace it back. They don't even know where it came from. I, I, you know, we, we have to find a balance in society. There has to be a, 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 a point of decency and honesty. They can't be far left, far right, all Republican, all Democrat. As I've said before, I look at all politicians. 
And in each one of them, I've heard things that are good and I've heard things that are bad. Some of them more bad than good. But I listen to what they're saying. Because as human beings, no matter how far we go right or left, there are some things about us that bring value to life. And if you are someone who has a passion about something that can change the world, I don't care what party you're from. But like I said, in order for us to change, in order for us to get to a place where each and every person is truly given a real chance at the American dream, those in power need to understand what it's like to be in pain. And we who are in pain need to unite. This is a, this is a problem that I struggle with day in and day out. Many people listen to my podcast. Many are, in, are, are en- energized and, and feel the same rage that I do you know, with certain things going on in society. My, that feeling and, and, and my passion continues. Their, theirs fades 20 minutes after they finish listening to the episode. As much as I urge people to share the episode, as much as I urge people to get involved, I understand that life is as such that it is, it is not easy to get involved. Because you look at your priorities, your kids have to be fed. You got to get the kids to school. You got to get the kids to their, their homework done. You got to pay your gas. You got to pay your light. You look at your paycheck and it doesn't, it doesn't you know, you don't have enough money. You got to delay a bill for something else. There are all these distractions that you should not have. And these things become such priorities in your life that they consume you. You have no space left in there to say, I'm going to become an activist too. But I have something to awaken you. What you need to understand is that if you do not become part of the power of the voices of the people, nothing will change. You will live your entire life in the struggle. Only a few of us escape by, you know, the, 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 the basketball or the, the football or, or the things that, 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 that people you know, who come from the same struggle end up hitting it big. The majority of us put one foot in front of the other, one paycheck in front of the other, and struggle each day. You have to carve out time that you, like you do for everything else to say, I'm going to become part of the solution. The people at the top are not going to change unless you force them to change. Unless you show them consequences. There's a midterm election coming up in November. I wish I could get enough of you to stop thinking Republican or Democrat. Start looking at each candidate for right and wrong. Wherever position you stand on on Roe versus Wade, whatever position you stand on ghost guns, whatever position you stand on student loans and, 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 and relieving 46 million Americans of crushing debt. And I forgot to mention that the total Student, federal student loan debt that's owed is something like $1.75 trillion. And all of this while the president says, well, I don't want to forgive loan. I'll think about it. I don't want to help the American people that way. I'll think about it. Uh, it's not fair. Look, there are millions of people who already paid off their student loans. And I'm coming back to student loans because everywhere you go, this is what's bubbling right now. And I say, you know what, for people who have paid off their student loans and they can prove it, 
when you decide to come up with this new program where you wipe out student loans and re, you restart the program in a way that makes sense, give them a tax incentive for five years or whatever so they can feel at least they got something to for their effort and their struggle that they managed to succeed with. But this student loan thing has to go. And I know I'm not the only one speaking about this. I know I'm not the only one writing about this. I've spoken to someone else who's going on a country ride, countrywide um, caravan, so to speak, going to all different parts of America to talk about this very soon. We're going to make this an issue in the midterm election. We don't care if you're a Democrat, if you're Republican, if you don't feel our pain, if you are not dedicated to making this happen, if you're not dedicated to make sure that that moratorium never expires without a fix, then you're not going to be there. Or we'll do our best to make sure that you're not. We need a chance at life too. We don't need to lose our homes because you, 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 we can't afford student loans so you garnish our check and now we can't pay the mortgage. Gas bills are up. Light bills are up. And then, by the way, I want to mention the, this income. Even when they redo or, or fix the student loan system to the federal student loans, this income driven repayment is a joke. If an income repayment system doesn't take your mortgage into consideration, don't tell me that you're not taking my mortgage into consideration because I have a house. Having a house doesn't make me rich. It means that maybe I got lucky or did something smart and I managed to get a roof over my head and I got a little piece of the American dream. So income-driven repayment needs to take mortgage or rent. Any utilities minus cable needs to take light, gas, water, and in this day and age, even internet bill. It needs to take transportation, both public transportation and, your, and a, have a basic amount of allowance for if you own a car. Because not all of us live near the subways. Not all of us live, you know, I live out in the suburbs where, you know, you see a bus once in a while. The State of the Union is not strong. The State of the Union is strong for a chosen few who continue to make it stronger while they stand above on their, on their fancy yachts and their, on their beautiful jets and they watch the rest of the world get weaker. The last statistic I heard about wealth said, talked about wealthy people doubling their wealth from billion to trillions collectively during COVID, while so many more people punished. So many poor people died. So many people lost their breadwinners, their husbands, their wives, their children, their jobs. And now all of this collectively, while we're going through inflation, that means that if I had, if I managed to squeak out and I managed to save a few thousand dollars over the years, it's all going away because of the cost of living right now. And then you're going to turn to me now and say, well, now that you had COVID, now that you possibly lost an income in your, in your household, now that your savings are depleted, now the prices are through the roof, guess what? Now you're going to start paying student loans again. It can never work. You're guaranteeing failure. You're guaranteeing anger and hatred in the American people for the very people we elected to do right by us. I don't know how many of you out there are fed up like I am. 
but I'm tired of Republican, Democrat, Independent, I don't care, Libertarian, whatever it is, I don't care. I want one party for the people, by the people. When you decide to do the right thing, not only will Americans truly have a chance at the American dream, but our faith will be restored in the people that we elect. And our faith will be restored in this great nation. I have news for all of you, and especially for the politicians who run this country, who gather at our nation's capital and cheer when the president walks in and says, Americans, the state of our union is strong. The time for lies is over. It's time to make a difference. Let's join together. Let's stand together. Let's make a difference. Let's make America strong again. And all for the right reasons. It's been my pleasure to share my thoughts with you. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.